Open your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter number 10, and we're going to be in Revelation, and uh, I'll bring you up to speed. It's been a while since we've hit the book of Revelation, but I, uh, we were singing that song, that second verse, and, uh, and, and there it said, uh, He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. Wednesday night, boy, that we, we talked about the voice of God. And uh, we talked about the thundering voice of God, and it's, and it's powerful, and it's full of majesty. And, and we read that, that or we sang that, that sweet, still, small voice, and I was reminded of the, the verse in, in 1 Kings chapter number 19, when Elijah's on the mountain, and, and the Bible says, And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. I got to thinking, isn't God awesome? I mean, he's got a powerful, majestic voice that can shake the trees of Lebanon. But then he can turn around and whisper so sweet and softly to us as his children. Man, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. And uh, we have an awesome God. I'm, I'm not preaching on that tonight, but I, I just... I probably could, but we won't tonight. We, we hit that on Wednesday. And uh, uh, Revelation chapter number 10, I, I will mention it because it, is, it does come up in the message. But uh, uh, boy, I, I just love it. The, the Word of God is just so fluid. It's just so everything just goes together so well. It, it's quite amazing, to be honest with you. Um, we've not been in the book of Revelation for a while, and uh, we had missions month, and then we had, uh, I, I really felt led to, to teach on soul winning, and we did that, and I'm sure there is much more that I could cover on that, probably should, and maybe down the road we will, and then we had Easter Sunday, and so we're getting back into the book of Revelation, chapter number 10. We've looked at the seven seals, if you remember properly. Uh, back in, in chapter 6, they introduced the seven, or, yeah, the seven seals, excuse me, and uh, and six of those seven uh, trumpets are, are sounding in chapter number six. And then if you remember right, there is a parenthetical pause in chapter number seven uh, where, where he describes some things that I believe are pertinent uh, to understand and gives us a lot of relevant facts uh, that help fit into the book of Revelation and help us understand some things. And then he picks it back up. And uh, we have the same situation kind of here in chapter number 10 that in uh, chapter number 9, uh, and really before chapter 9 as well, uh, we have the uh, trumpets that are sounding. And, uh, and you'll remember that they were given to us. There's seven trumpets, and, uh, and, and they started out in chapter number 8. Uh, they go through chapter number 9. And, uh, and then we have a parenthetical statement here in chapter number 10. And uh, I believe it's, it's very interesting to look at, uh, and I believe it will be a help to us. And uh, I've entitled the message tonight, Attention. Uh, just simple, Attention. Uh, Revelation chapter number 10 and verse number 1 the Bible says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot upon the earth. 
and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Let's just stop right here, and let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you would help us as we look into your book of Revelation. And God, I pray that you'd give us understanding minds and, uh, and clarity of thought. And God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me as I teach through this, Father. And, and uh, God, I pray that you would help us to understand uh, your word and uh, the prophecy and the things that shall be. And God, I will thank you for that. And God, I pray that most of all tonight, you would help us to see you. And God will give you the honor and glory through all of that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at uh, Revelation chapter number 10, uh, it opens up there and he says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. And then he goes on and gives a description. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that angel, the first part here. And uh, let me just say this. There are good people uh, who believe this is a description of Jesus Christ. Uh, there are good people as well who believe this is a description of an angel. Uh, and so uh, really what I'm saying is, boy, you got, you got either side here. Um, and and I am I will confess to you I am not the most uh, smartest man in the world. Okay, uh, if you ever heard my smartest man in the world and the airplane, I'm glad I'm not the smartest man in the world sometimes. But uh, uh, if not, you see you, you come enough. I'll, I'm sure I'll repeat it. I only have about ten jokes and and occasionally I pull one out. But. Uh, uh, I'm saying this, that in my study, though, looking at this, I, I do believe personally that this is a description of Jesus Christ. Now, if somebody else disagreed with me, you know what? When we get to heaven, God will straighten us all out. It's not something that we're going to divide fellowship over. Uh, sometimes we have varying opinions on some of this stuff, and some of it uh, could be very different from what we think. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, it's not, a, uh, it's not a live or die by passage. Can I say it that way? Uh, it, we're talking about prophecy. We're talking about something that's going to take place in the future. And if we don't get it all right, that's okay. Uh, that's not something that I, I think we should divide on. Uh, and so uh, let's look at this. It says here, and I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. Let me just give you a few arguments for why people believe that it is not Jesus Christ. Uh, it's described as another angel. That's one of their things. Uh, but I, and to counter that, and we'll look, I'm not going to give you all my arguments because we're going to go through them. But, but to counter that, you know, I think, hey, there are appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament as an angel. And so, you know, I, I think, again, you could go either way. Sometimes in the Old Testament, there are angels that are described and they're not Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'm not saying it's definitive. I'm just saying that that is their argument, that it is described as another angel. Uh, this one, uh, he, they said that his left foot is on earth, uh, verse number one, and that this was the, the thought that they had, that Jesus won't touch earth till he splits the Mount of Olives. And uh, I wrote down in that book, Chapter and verse, question mark. 
Um, because Zechariah chapter number 14, you can go look it up, verses 3 and 4, do talk about Jesus and do talk about him coming and the Mount of Olives being split. Very clearly it states that, and I believe that's going to take place. But I could not find a verse in the Bible that says that, um, that he would not touch earth again until he came and split the Mount of Olives. And so, uh, so if it's out there, enlighten me. I, I'm serious. I, I, I don't mind that. I, I, I looked and I could not find it. And how do you look up a passage, Jesus won't touch earth? You can't just look for that in scripture. So I, I did the best I could searching, but I, I was not able to find it. And, uh, and so if it's there that definitively says he will not touch earth, uh, then I would gladly like to look at that. So if you know where that's at, uh, do let me know, and, uh, and I'd appreciate it. And then verse 6, it says that they uh, swear by him that liveth forever. And, uh, and they say, well, it's not Jesus because he, he, he doesn't swear by himself, but, uh, or, or an angel would swear by God, uh, but, but maybe Jesus wouldn't. But uh, I think, again, there's no greater power for which by to swear than himself. And so uh, I don't see that as a, a problem. Um, let's look at this angel and let's, let's look at some of my thoughts and what I believe uh, it is Jesus Christ. Uh, verse number one, it says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. Now there's certainly some very powerful angels in the Bible. Uh, I believe it's one of, uh, uh, I might be mistaken, but I, I think it was My Michael the archangel is one of the most powerful angels or, or something of that nature. And there are powerful angels, but can I tell you this, that Jesus in the Old Testament as well is described as an angel and he is the most powerful angel that exists. There's no more powerful angel than Jesus Christ because Jesus is God. And so you're not going to supersede that as far as power. And he would be described certainly as a very powerful angel. And so we see him being described as a mighty angel. I want you to notice this as well in verse number one, that the Bible says uh, in verse number one, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. I find that interesting because he did come from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his Head. I want you to notice the absence. There's no words that says like or as a rainbow, but rather that a rainbow was upon his head. Now, what is the rainbow? Well, we know from Scripture uh, that, that it is God's promise not to destroy the world again by flood. Forget everything that, that, that the modern society tells you that the rainbow is. Because that is not what it stands for at all. Uh, God came up with that. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 9. We'll look at that really quick. Save your spot here in Revelation. We'll be back here. Genesis chapter number 9 and verse number 12. Jesus had, um, had flooded the entire earth. You say, preacher, do you believe that, that, that God had flooded the entire earth? Yes, I believe it because the Bible says it. And, uh, and I believe that is absolutely true. I believe it was a literal flood that did flood the entire world and, and that everything was destroyed with the exception of Noah and his family and the animals that God told him uh, to put on that ark. And so uh, I do believe that. Genesis chapter number 9 and verse number 12, the Bible says this. 
And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you, every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And so we see very clearly in the Word of God, God was very clear. I don't think that was unclear. I don't think it was vague. I don't think it was hard to understand. I believe it's very clear that God said, hey, I'm going to put a bow in the cloud, and that that bow will stand for the fact that I will not flood the earth again. And we find that is a very clear promise. The, the Bible, look at the words that it describes. Everlasting promise between all flesh. It's not just limited to Israel or just between Noah and God or for that generation, but it's for all time God made that promise. And the bow stands for God's fact that he will not flood the earth again. So go back with me to Revelation chapter number 10 and look with me again. I find it interesting. The cloud and the bow go together. We find those together here in Revelation chapter 10. He says, uh, angel came down from heaven, clothed, isn't this interesting, with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head. And, uh, and so, listen, I believe that's a very clear indication of God's promise Undoubtedly, whether it's an angel or whether it's Jesus Christ, which I believe is Jesus Christ, but, but either way, uh, that rainbow is there as a reminder of God's promise not to flood the earth again. And so we find God's description here with the power of the angel, the promise that is displayed. And he doesn't say it's like or as a rainbow, but he says it is a rainbow that is there in that cloud. And so we see uh, all of this description showing and pointing that I believe uh, that it would be Christ. Look with me in verse number two. And he had in his hand, I love this, and we'll get to this a little bit later, a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Now, I don't, I've seen some angels. I did not take the time to go through and study all the angels of the Old Testament but I've never seen a, an occasion of an angel that is that large. Uh, you're talking about a pretty big angel. Uh, and he's got one foot on water and one foot on earth. And, and it kind of leads you to believe that he's a very large angel. Not only that, but I put it down that he is not just powerful and has the promise that there would be no more flood on the earth uh, that would destroy everything, but he's also the proprietor. That'd be he's the owner of the earth. He's not trespassing. And listen, God owns this world. 
Oh yes, he does allow Satan to be the God of this world for a temporal time, but understand that, the, that our God, God, Jehovah God, is the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. He is the supreme, almighty, all-powerful God, and the devil that would be the God of this world is beneath and below God himself. And so uh, we understand that. And, and that the fact that he's standing there on the sea and on the earth, uh, I think, would show and display that he is the proprietor and the owner of all things that exist here on the earth. And so uh, I believe personally that it is God. And if you want to argue that it's an angel, hey, we'll put on the gloves and we'll duke it out after church and that'll be fine. Um, I, it's not a, it's not a, like I said, it's not a live or die for doctrine right there. Verse number four. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. Isn't that fascinating? And uh, not only do we have this angel that's described to us, but we have a mystery here guarded in verse number four. And I find it very interesting. I I love the fact, again, that those seven voices uh, that are uttered as thunder from heaven. And and I just was reminded of of Psalm 29 that we had studied on Wednesday night. If you you missed it, you just have to go back and listen to it because I'm not going to re-preach it tonight. But the, the Bible says in Psalm 29, 4, the voice... The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And, and again, I don't, I'm not saying this is the voice of God, but it did come from heaven. It could have very well been the voice of God. Uh, and, and we find that, hey, listen, uh, it's thundering down. And I, what I love about it is he's, and John says, I, was, I had my little pen out. Man, I had my pad of paper, and, and I was ready to write down all of those things that those seven voices uttered to me. And, and, and the voice comes from heaven again and says, hey, don't you write those things down. Seal it up. You're not to write it down. You are not to record it. And as I look at that, I think this, and I understand this, hey, listen, there are some things that God guards from us that we will not know. And, and listen, I know that we like to understand things, and I know a lot of people think uh, that they know everything, uh, and, and they'll tell you that they know everything. If you're in doubt, uh, they'll let you know that they do know everything. But I'm just saying that God said, hey, there are some things that I have guarded that you will not know. It's sealed, and God's not going to let us know. And you know what? We need to be okay with trusting God with some things that he withholds from us. And that's okay. Uh, Sometimes that's a good thing. And, uh, and I'm sure that at some point they will be revealed. Look with me in verse number 7 there. The Bible says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And so I'm just saying that, hey, he will declare some things. There will be some things that he will reveal in the end. And and I'm just saying that uh, there is a mystery and there's an element of mystery that is there. Uh, And so we find all of this information and there's more there uh, that, that time would just not allow us to explore everything. 
But look with me there as we see the angel there in the first eight verses. Look with me in, chap in verse number eight. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Let's continue reading. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was as it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Not only do we have the angel here in the first part of the chapter, but I want you to notice the little book. And it's greatly interesting to me, uh, and I personally believe that this little book, hey, is the Word of God. Uh, I find it very interesting because it's tied there in verse, I think it was 2, uh, that said that he had the little book in his hand. And if we believe that this is Christ, then boy, it's kind of appropriate that he would have the book, the Word of God. That would be, and I love this, it's an open book. It's not a closed book. You remember back in, in Revelation chapter 4, there was a sealed book that no man could open. And that was the judgments. We found that that was the seals that were opened and given. And they were judgment after judgment after judgment. But here's a book that's not sealed. It's not closed. It's an open book. And it's in the hand of this mighty angel. And it's, it's there for other people because the God in heaven told John, he said, hey, I want you to go get that book book from his hand. And he goes and gets the book. And we find that he ate the book as he was instructed. And listen, he says, it is a sweet book in thy mouth. In verse 9, in thy mouth sweet as honey. Boy, you think about the word of God and how sweet the word of God is to us. We could go through verse after verse after verse. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Listen, this book is a spiritual book that we depend upon spiritually. We've got to have it to consume it. God never intended, a matter of fact, in Matthew 4, 4, we see that God never intended for man to live his life out of communion with God, but rather in fellowship with God, in connection with the Word of God. I mean, God gave us His Word so that we could understand who God is. The Bible is, a, is a, I'm amazed at it, day in and day out. And as I study the Word of God, I'll be honest with you, I'm continually amazed at just, just the little things and the connections that you make, the still small voice and the voice in, in, in Psalms chapter 29 that's a great voice, a thundering voice, a powerful voice, and, and the judgments of God that are going to fall and, and all of that and how it just is intertwined and connected verse after verse after verse and it goes together. And I'm just saying, hey, uh, we need to spend time in the Word of God. Uh, as I think about the Word of God and its importance that we would consume it as is illustrated here. Uh, listen, uh, you, you've probably seen the commercials of all the malnourished children in, in Africa. That's real. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just using that as an example. 
There are, there are malnourished people in this world. We don't know hardly anything about that. We don't see it on a regular basis, but it does exist. And what's the problem? They, they simply do not have enough food. They, they don't have what they need and what, they, uh, what they, their body uh, requires for day-to-day operation and to get all the vitamins. And as a result, they become frail and they become sickly and they become, uh, you know, diseased. And, and their, their lifespan is much shorter because they do not have what they need. Boy, I thought about that at the spiritual level. Boy, many Christians, many Christians are frail. They're weak. They're sickly. They're malnourished because, hey, they are just simply not consuming enough of the word of God. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. It's not just physical meat. It's spiritual meat that we need the word of God. Hey, it's a sweet voice. The Bible says, a sweet uh, word of God. The Bible says in Jeremiah 15, 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Psalm 109, or 119, 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Hey, listen, the Word of God is sweet. There's plenty of truths and plenty of, of greatness in the Word of God and plenty to keep us busy as we read and study the Word of God. But look with me at the second part. In verse 9, And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall, be, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. That second idea, or the second after it goes through your mouth, the sweetness, and down to the belly, it is a, a bitter thing. And I was looking at that, and I thought, boy, how does that enter in? and How does that fit? Walter Scott, an old preacher from the 1800s, he said this, Prophecy both gladdens and saddens, as it contains announcements both of joy and grief. Scripture contains both the sweet message of deliverance and the bitter message of damnation. The faithful preacher who loves to preach the Word of God knows that some passages of Scripture are a joy to preach while others bring pain and persecution if you preach them. And the truth is, and the reality is, there is much of the Word of God that is personally, hey, when you hear about salvation, and you hear about the fact that Jesus Christ loved you so much that He died on the cross of Calvary, that He took your, your sin upon Himself, He paid for your price, and that you can be saved, and you can be born again, and boy, that is a deliverance, and that is sweet to the mouth, and boy, I'm glad to hear that, and praise the Lord, we are saved from damnation for all of eternity. Boy, that's a blessing. But there's a bitter reality that goes with that. Hey, those who don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior are, are condemned for all of eternity. There, there is the side of judgment that will fall. And in the middle of the book of Revelation, as we go through it, he is describing uh, the end of the world, the tribulation period, when judgments are going to fall. All of the seals that were broken were judgments that came down on this world. And the trumpets that are sounding, they're, they're judgments that are falling on this world. And listen, anybody who has any kind of heart and any kind of compassion says, boy, that's a bitter truth to swallow. 
We don't like it. We don't, I don't have joy in that. I don't take joy that people will suffer and, be, and die and, and pay for their sins. But it's a reality in the Word of God. And so it does become bitter in our stomach. And that's the bitter truth. But I want you to notice in verse 10, the obedience. He says, and I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. You know what? He was told to do that, to take the word of God and to consume it. And he did that. He was obedient. Hey, listen, obedience is key as Christians. We've got to obey the word of God. And many people do not, but uh, many people do. And I thank God for that. And we ought to obey God. We ought to obey the word of God. We ought to follow what he says for us. And so we see the angel in the first part of the chapter. We see the little book that's given to us in the second part of the chapter. I want you to notice in verse number 11, and this is where it hits the ground for us. It says there in verse number 11, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many prophets and nations and tongues and kings. I want you to notice in verse number 11 that he saw the angel uh, and, then he, and then he took the book and, and he consumed the book and then after that he was given a task in verse number 11 and we see the responsibility that he was given. And listen, as we look at this, I want you to understand this. Those who focus on the Lord and consume his words are often tasked with further responsibilities. Sometimes people say, well, what's the will of God for my life? I say, hey, the will of God for your life is to read the word of God, be in church and be faithful to God. And listen, sometimes people, you got to check those boxes before you go to the next step. Uh, God's not going to, God is not going to call you to preach if you're not faithful uh, in church and if you're not, and if you're not doing what God has already asked you to do. There, there's, 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 there's steps in this life that God expects in our life and we check those and we follow those and we follow those and we follow those and, and God will move in our life and, and God will say, hey, uh, now I want you to do something more. And there's always a little bit more. We find here that John uh, that was there in, in Revelation uh, that he saw and he focused on this mighty angel. And then he took the book that was in his hand and he consumed the book. And then uh, it became sweet in his mouth and bitter in his stomach. And, and God asked him to do more. Hey, listen, we have got to take the word of God. And there's something to be said for consuming the word of God. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying go home tonight and rip pages out of your Bible and eat them. All right. I'm going to be clear. Uh, some of these teenagers might get confused and they'll be missing pages out of their Bible. I'm not talking about eating it. All right. Physically. But listen, taking the word of God and meditating upon it and, and consuming the spiritual message that is there the reality of what God would have us to do. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number two. I want you to see these verses. Proverbs chapter number two, verse number one. Save your spot there in Revelation. We'll be back. In Proverbs chapter number two. Let's read verses one through five. I'll read them out loud. You can just follow along there in your Bible. But I want you to see this as we think about the word of God being consumed. We find in Proverbs chapter two and verse number one. My son, 
if thou wilt receive my words, I have highlighted my Bible, if, because if you don't receive the word of God's, then you can't go on further. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if, again we have that word, thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, verse 4, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as, as for hid treasures, verse 5, we have the then. So if you're seeking, if you're looking, for the word, if you're receiving, if you're crying after, if you're seeking these things, then in verse number five, shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's something to be said for consuming the word of God and taking what we have. And listen, we'll all, we'll all be at different places in our life, and it doesn't matter the place that you're at in your life, so long as you are taking the Word of God, and you are consuming it, and you are growing. All my kids were different sizes, and I had twins, and they didn't come out the same height, and they didn't come out the same size. They're all a little bit different. But what mattered most is that they would take the food that we would give them and that they would consume it and that their body would, would take and absorb that and grow. That's important. Now, I remember when one of my kids was young, uh, she would eat and, man, she'd spit up. It was a real pain. I, I, I had more dry cleaning bills than you could shake a stick at because I was always wearing a suit. We were traveling and I, always, I learned to hold that kid facing out. I'm just saying. Consequently, she was one of our smaller ones. And we got concerned, but, but she did, she was eating. And we, I remember we took her to the doctor. We were concerned. She, she seems like she spits up everything she eats. And, and the doctor said, well, you know, she weighed her and she said she's growing and, and there is some growth there. And so, you know, she is growing and so you don't need to be concerned that it's okay and she is eating. Hey, listen, as Christians, we need to consume the word of God. And we need to grow spiritually in our life. We need to take the word of God. We, we, when we hit a plateau and we stop growing spiritually, there's a problem. Paul said, Paul, Paul continued to grow. Paul, Paul he, he, he advocated, hey, I don't know everything. Uh, I'm continuing to walk with God. And we ought to walk with God and we ought to study the word of God. The book of Proverbs says, if we will receive, if we cry after, if we seek, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. Back here in Revelation, he took the book and he consumed the book. We find Second uh, Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I've, I've, it's shocked me. I've heard, I've heard this statement a few times. Well, I haven't really read the Old Testament. And I'm just like, how can you not read the Old Testament? I mean, it's the whole Bible. And listen, I, I, I encourage you, read the Old Testament. We're not under the law of the Old Testament. But I tell you what, there is a lot of valuable lessons that you can learn about who God is and by the, the specificity, I don't think I pronounced that word right. How specific, there, that's easier. God was about all the laws that he gave. I mean, you look at the detail and you know what that tells me? God was concerned with details. 
God was concerned with things being done right. And, and I'm not under all of those laws. I understand that. I realize that. But it does teach me a very valuable lesson that, hey, when God does say something, he really does mean what he says. You look at the people that lost their lives because they rebelled against God's law in the Old Testament and, and the people who disregarded and said, ah, oh, it's not that important. And, and you could go through lesson after lesson after lesson. And the Bible tells us very clearly that these things were written for our learning. And so we ought to read the entire counsel of the Word of God. Hey, you as a Christian, you ought to read the entirety of the Word of God. I, we, we keep those Bible reading uh, schedules out in the beginning of the year. And, and I always encourage you, take one of those Bible reading schedules and read through your Bible. Hey, listen, young people, uh, I encourage you, you can start and you can read through your entire Bible. That's not to say that you're going to understand every part of it. But you can work through it and, and there's a familiarization that will happen with the Word of God as you read through those things and you become familiar with the Word of God. I'm just saying that, that John took the book and he consumed the book. Boy, we need the Word of God. We need to spend time in the Word of God. Notice this in verse number 11. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy. Again, before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. He told John, hey, listen, you still got a lot of work to do. You're going to prophesy before all these people. And maybe he met in the written word of God in the book of Revelation that would be given to many people and many nations and many kings even and many places. But I'm just saying that there was a great task for John to do when he had taken the book and consumed the book. And said, well, I want to be used to God. And he was obedient. And we see that he was greatly used of God. I want you to notice this out of chapter 10. In the midst of all the tribulation that's taking place on earth in the book of Revelation. We find, we find the seals that were given, uh, they were broken, and all the judgment and all the condemnation of God that is poured out on the, on the earth and the wrath that is poured out and, and the judgment that takes place. And then the seven trumpets as they're poured out on the earth and all the judgment that takes place again. And then in chapter 10, I want you to notice that there is a pause, and I believe a focus on Jesus Christ and a focus on his word. And what that tells me is in all the tribulation that may take place in our life and in all the trials that we may go through, don't ever forget to pause and say, I need a fresh view of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to take a fresh view at his word and consume his word in my life as it will help me to make it through the all the trials and tribulation. I'm not comparing our trials and tribulations to the tribulation period at all. I'm telling you that there's some bad stuff that's going to take place on this earth. But in the middle of the book, he just kind of pauses and he describes this scene of this mighty angel and this little book. And I think it's very relevant that in our lives we would pause. We say, boy, I just need to see God. I just need to spend time in his word. No matter what we go through, we need to keep that at the forefront of our minds. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, stand to our feet, if you would. We see the responsibility. We see the angel. We see the little book that was there. 
And as we look at all those things, it's more about God and more about the Word of God than it is really anything else. There's no tribulation that's described. There's no hardship and judgment that's falling in Revelation chapter 10. It's been everywhere else, but it's not at this point. And it's a focus that we can spend on God. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the greatness of your word that you've given to us. Oh, how that mighty angel took and gave that little book to John. And John consumed it. No, God, help us in our lives to consume your word and to see the importance of you and your word in our life on a daily basis. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you'd help us to pause. As the book, Bible says in the book of Isaiah, I believe it is, to stand still and to see you and to know that you are God. God, sometimes we need to pause and to look to you. So, Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray that you would strengthen each and every Christian that's here. And, Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. Maybe God spoke to your heart about something and you want to pray and I want to give you an opportunity to do that whatever the need. Maybe you just want to pray for somebody. Maybe you want to pray for yourself or whatever the need, the altar's open. Maybe you need to trust the Lord. We're always, we're always open for that. There's always time for that. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe it's didn't even have to do with the message tonight, but God's touched your heart and you want to pray. We always like to take the time to do that.